0: sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. Now keep that one verse in mind. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. This is all going to set the stage for this, uh, most of this lesson. It says, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for how many years? Seven. Okay. And so it says verse two, the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the the dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. So they weren't living at home, they're they're hiding themselves. And the Bible says in verse 3, And so it was, when Israel had sown, that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, Till thou, uh, "...till thou come unto Gaza, and left no substance, uh, sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites." And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians. Out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drave them from before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God, fear not the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord, and sat under an oak which was in uh, Ophrah, which uh, that pertained unto Joash, the, the Abiezerite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the, uh, the winepress to hide it, to hide the wheat from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? You ever ask that to yourself? You know, if, if God, if you are God, why is all this happening to us or to me? And so it says here, and, and then he goes on to say, And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? And now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Now, you look at this passage And it reminds me of a story I heard years ago. And uh, this is actually a story that I believe is is very fitting for Gideon and, of course, the children of Israel. But it's a story about Chippy the parakeet. You have to listen to this story intently because Chippy the parakeet, as they said it in the paper, never saw it coming. One second, he was peacefully perched in his cage. The next second, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. Chippy's problems began when his owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it into the cage. The phone rang, and she turned to pick up the phone. She barely said hello when Chippy got sucked in. The bird's owner gasped, put down the phone, turned off the vacuum, and opened the bag, and there was Chippy, still alive, but stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him, raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, and held Chippy under the running water. Then realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird owner would do, She reached for the hairdryer, and she blasted her pet with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, the reporter that covered the story uh, made a phone call to inquire about the condition of Chippy, and so called the owner to see how the bird was doing. And the owner said, well, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore, he just sits and stares. ever felt like something hit you and you don't really have a song anymore? Uh, You really don't have nothing to sing about anymore? It seems like the discouragement has set in because of things that have happened. I mean, how do we like Chippy or the children of Israel, Gideon today, how do we move past our discouragement to discover our destiny? You know, God has something for all of us as his children. God doesn't want us to live in the land of discouragement. God wants us to realize that there are manifold blessings for us, but yet many Christians choose. Listen, it's a choice. They choose to be discouraged. And by choosing that, what are they doing? They're refusing to accept God's help and to move forward. Because does not God promise that he'll be with us, that he wants to help us, that he is our God? But oftentimes we don't accept God's help. Gideon was a man that, like us today, Gideon was living in a time, scripturally speaking here, it was the period known as the period of the judges. Here we are in Judges chapter number 6 this morning, and I don't have time to give you a total history, but... I will tell you, in the days of Gideon, it was a time when Israel, as a, as a nation, as a people, they were living wickedly in the sight of God, which is very similar to the day that we're living in today, the way that this world is. Now, the judges that the Bible mentions, and today we're in Judges 6, <clears throat> these judges were discerning men that God allowed to govern and direct Israel for a period of about 339 years. And if you look scripturally, that would be from about the time of Moses, Joshua, all the way till you see the, uh, when, when the, the days of Saul were in the Bible. Now in verse number six, if you look at it again, I want you to see this verse because this is, this is descriptive of the day of Gideon. The Bible says in verse six, Notice, Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Here they are as a people, God's people, and what are they doing? They're living in constant fear. And the Bible says they are impoverished. Hey, listen, God owns everything, right? And God wants to bless His children but remember that the reason they found themselves in this situation was because of the sin that they had allowed into their lives and because of the Midianites that had come into their lives also. So this was something that, as we see here, and it may not be the case in our lives, but it was the consequence of their disobedience to the Lord. Verse number 10, the Bible says that God said unto them, I am the Lord your God. Notice these words, fear not the gods of the Amorite, in whose land you dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. So here's what we see is, is that God says, uh, look, I don't want you to have a fear. I don't want you to live in fear. I want you to understand that, that I am your God. But today, just like in Gideon's day, folks, many, so many have lost their moral compass. I mean, we're living in a day where just anything goes. I mean, you watch the news, and you see the things that are happening, and you're like, seriously? I mean, hardly anything surprises us anymore. We've taken our freedom, and we've gone wild with it. I, I was reading a statistic, and this isn't a new, it's not up to date, but might give you a little idea here. Back in 1970, okay, so we're talking, what is that, about 50 years ago, There were 200,000 people in prison in 1970. In 2008, that's 11 years ago, the number went from 200,000 in prison to 1.5 million. Now, it would be staggering to know how many were in prison today because our moral compass, and as Christians, What do we do when we see, uh, like in Gideon's day, what do we do when the discouragement sets in? How do we move from that discouragement to fulfilling God's purpose for our lives? Well, I think Gideon is a great example for us this morning as we look at his journey of faith. What can we learn from Gideon to help us to get from maybe a place in our lives where we might be discouraged to where we can be fulfilling God's purpose for our lives? Now, when you study Gideon's life, I will tell you this, that he was not a man of unusual faith and and he was not a man that had a boldness about him. But the one thing that I did see as I studied was this, that Gideon, eventually he was willing to follow God. And that's what we have to do is we have to be willing to follow the Lord. Now we may not understand, we'll see it in the lesson this morning, but we have to be willing to do what God's asked us to do. So look at the first thing I see as we look at Gideon this morning. In his journey of faith, it began with the paralysis of fear. Because that's what fear does. Look in your Bible, if you have it there, Judges 6 still. But look down to verse number 22. Look what the Bible says here in verse number 22, verse 23. When Gideon perceived that he was... An angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Now, even though God said to Gideon, fear not, when you look at his life, Gideon was hiding. Gideon didn't trust that God could take care of the situation like so many in his day it look the opposite of fear is what faith the just shall live not by fear but by faith and so notice this morning that fear first of all leads to isolation fear leads to isolation If you you have your Bible there, chapter 6, go back to verse number 11, where the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came and sat under an oak that pertained to Joash, his son Gideon. What is he doing? He's threshing wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now, remember, the reason he was trying to hide was because they had already sown, and here comes the Midianites, and they took every last bit of it away. But again, Gideon's not out in the open. He is isolated. Why? Because he's afraid of what the Midianites could do. Uh, this man returned to his cabin. They were on vacation. And the man came back to his cabin from a hike. And when he came back, he had, he had all these scratches on his, on his body, his arms and his face. And he had bruises. And as he comes back into the cabin, his wife asked him, she says, what happened to you? And he said to his wife, he said, I, I met a snake on the trail, and his wife looked at him and she said, "Honey, don't you remember that before we came to the cabin that we talked to the ranger about some things here before we, we came to, to, to this cabin, and the ranger told us that none of the snakes in this area are poisonous. The ranger told us that. And her husband looked at her and said, "Well, they don't have to be poisonous." If they can cause you to jump off a 20 foot cliff. Now, can I tell you that this is not a time for Christians to jump off cliffs or to live our lives in isolation? As a matter of fact, you and I need to determine that we are going to look, no matter what the headlines say, no matter what the culture is going to do. We cannot allow anything to cause us to live in fear. Look, so many people turn, Christians turn on the television and you watch the news, there's no good news on the news. It's just one bad story after another. Some people go on the internet and they start to read stuff on the internet. There's very little that is profitable. Folks, you need to understand, That the sources you go to, whether it's the television, the internet, maybe some of your friends, whoever it may be, that, listen, if you're constantly hearing about the culture and about this and about that, what's that going to eventually do? It's going to cause it's going to drive you away from faith. It's going to drive you into fear. You're going to want to live your life isolated. You're going to sell your house, move to the mountains, and buy a goat and build and, 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 and plant a garden and try to live in isolation the rest of your life. Now, that's not what God wants for the Christian. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men. God doesn't want us to live an isolated life. And so we've got to determine that what we're going to do in spite of the culture and in spite of what's going on, that we are going to let God's love be shown to this world we live in. People need to know that God loves them, and watch this, because God loves them, we love them. But see, Gideon, he was paralyzed because he had fear in his life, and that fear led him to isolation. And then notice fear leads, secondly, to discouragement. Look in verse 13 again. Gideon says unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which... My, uh, our fathers told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. He was discouraged. Why? B- because, folks, when you're constantly being oppressed, that'll discourage you. Do, do you remember when, if, it, you probably have read it in the gospel records many, many times, when Jesus came There were were quite a few places in the Word of God where uh, there was was some discussion about this man named Jesus. Is not he the carpenter's son? I mean, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Then there was discussion like, well, there had been others that rose up. There had been others that, that came along and And boasted of themselves you know if his if his counsel be of God then who are we to withstand it and and so everybody was kind of curious well listen do you know why they were looking for someone to come and lead them because they were sick and tired of Roman rule you live in this world and you're constantly being beaten down And it's it's not long before that fear that's in your life brings you to the point of discouragement. When we allow fear to reign in our lives, uh, discouragement will follow. See, if we live in fear, we will eventually be discouraged in our lives. David was a man, look, even though the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart, David was a man that experienced much, much discouragement. Look at one of the verses in in your notes, Psalm 89, 49, where David writes, Lord, where are thy former loving kindnesses which thou swearest unto David in thy truth? You know what I say when I think about this matter of fear? I know you know the verse. Look at it there. God hath not given us the spirit of fear. say, well, I'm afraid. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not putting it down. I know that people have, have fear in their lives. I know that things cause, but God doesn't give us that spirit. That's not something from the Lord. Are you with me this morning? You understand? This is not something God, look, God has given us his love. God has given us his son. God has not given us fear. So should a Christian live in fear? What's the answer? No. But many times we do. Now listen, again, I'm not discounting. I mean, look, there's no doubt the, the Midianites had done all that they had done to the children of Israel. And so many times people live with things. But what you have to do today and every day of your life is this. You've got to decide to give your fears to the Lord. Just give them to God. Let God handle. Look, that's what Gideon had to do. Gideon had to come out from behind the winepress, and he had to trust God. He had to give those fears that he had. Don't linger in isolation and discouragement. Claim the promises of God and move forward in faith. That's what Gideon did. That's what you and I have to do, is move forward in faith. So look, there are many, like Gideon and the children of Israel, that are paralyzed today. Why? Because of this matter of fear. But notice, secondly, that the proving of faith. Now, this is what God's going to do in your life is, the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by what? And hearing by the word "Word of God. So instead of reading the paper, instead of reading the internet, instead of watching something, why don't you get your nose in the book? Faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the word of God. What we need in our lives is the word of God. Faith is not. Excuse me. Faith is listening to what God says in His word, but it's beyond that. Faith is not only listening to what He says, but faith is acting on what God says. So we have to act on it. True faith requires action. And when God first called Gideon, listen. I I, I can fully understand. What did Gideon do? He responded with doubt. I mean, Gideon Gideon had some reservations. He questioned whether or not God had the right person. I've I've had that conversation many times with God. God, you want me to preach? You want me to do this? I mean, you know why? Because I am not adequate. I, I cannot do it And guess what? Even today, I can't pastor this church. I can't lead my family, but with God, I can. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. See, Gideon, his initial thing was, Lord, I I just don't know. I mean, when you look at the Bible, what do you find? Like so many, his faith at that point, his faith was weak. The disciples, they had been with Jesus all those years. And Jesus said, O ye of little faith. He didn't say they didn't have any faith. He just said, your faith is still small, it's still weak. You see, you're going to have fear in your life if you have weak faith. We, we've got to understand the importance of having faith. And so what does God do? God promises, hey, listen, Gideon, if you just do what I ask you to do, I'll help you. Look at verse 16 of chapter 6. The Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. Boy, if you underline things in your Bible, that's a great thing. He says, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So notice here that faith, first of all, is not faith is not self-confident. It's not self-confident. Uh, if you go to Judges 7, and it, maybe turn over there, Uh, next chapter there, Judges 7, look at the Bible, says in verse number two, the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee, look at this, are too many for me to give into the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand has saved me. In other words, God says, look, you have too many people. If I allow you to go up against the Midianites and you win, they're going to say, it's because of who we were, because of what we did, they're gonna vaunt themselves, so verse three says, God says, now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people saying, whosoever, in, whosoever is what? Fearful. Fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead and there return to the people 20 and 2,000 and there remain 10,000, so do the math, if, if 22,000 left and 10,000 were still there, how many did Gideon have? 32,000. 32, but that number had been dwindled because he went from 32,000 to 10,000. Why? Why did the 22,000 leave? Because of fear. So here he is in verse number four. The Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Are you kidding me? We're going up against the Midianites. God, you already, 22,000 have already walked away. I'm down to 10,000. And you're saying it's still too many? And look, at it says in verse 4, the people are yet too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee, and whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So when I, when I look at this situation, I see that Israel, when they began with the 32,000, if you look statistically, they were about one-sixth, one-sixth the size of the host of Midian. And so as you saw there, the, 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 the 22,000 leave, and you know, Gideon's thinking to himself, "God, what are you doing?" I'll tell you what God was doing, and God's going to do this if He hasn't already. He's going to do this in your life. He did it in Gideon's life. He's trying to teach Gideon to learn to be fully dependent on Him. Did you hear that? God says, "I don't want you to trust in yourself. I don't want to trust in you trusting in what you have and." your strength, your abilities, your gifts. I want you to be fully dependent on me. So the Bible records in verse 3, the fearful leave. What was God doing when 22,000 of the 32,000 left? Listen, God was developing Gideon's faith. Sometimes God takes things away from us. You say, God, I need that. God, what are you doing? God's trying to develop your faith. Then you get down to verse number 6. Those that were negligent or careless, they were released from their duty. 9,700 of the 10,000 leave. So how many is Gideon left with? 300. 300. He went from 32,000 down to 300. So what did Gideon do? Well, he trusted God by faith. Look at it says, and I love Hebrews eleven is such a great chapter in your Bible. <laughs> Look at verse thirty-two. The Bible records there. What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of who, of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David. Also, of Samuel and of the prophets, who through what? Faith, they subdued kingdoms. That's Gideon. He wrought righteousness, obtained promises. He got a hold of what? He stopped the mouth of the lion, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, see that there? Out of weakness were made strong waxed valiantly (laughs) remember what the angel said unto gideon when he was hiding uh, by the wine press thou mighty man of valor really he's hiding and that's what that's what god says to him there He, he, he turned the the flight of armies of the aliens you know when i look back at our nation and i've used this illustration but one thing that i saw that maybe i had never seen before there were 55 signers of the declaration of independence 52 of those 55, according to statistics, were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. 52 of 55. And when those individuals signed that declaration, yes, historically they were declaring their independence from England. But if you know the history, and I don't have time to go into what happened to each one of them, They might have been declaring their independence from England, but here's what they were doing. They were claiming claiming their dependence on God. They gave their lives. They gave their lands. They gave their families, their fortunes. You know why? Because they did it because God had led them to do that. They trusted what God could do in their lives. Don't let being timid and so many are, having a timid spirit be an excuse for disobedience. And so when I look at the proving of faith, faith is not self-confident, but notice that secondly, faith is God-confident. It's having confidence or faith in God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, you know, God, I, look, folks, look, I don't get it because I'm not God. But even when Gideon, and before Gideon found himself behind the wine press, God saw potential in Gideon that even Gideon didn't know he had. And when I think of my life, and I think of some of you, and maybe you could do your own inventory Listen, God sees things in us before we ever see them. God sees the potential in this auditorium this morning. God wants us to put our faith in him. Why does God want us to put our faith in him? Same reason in Gideon's life was so that he can develop it. Because listen, our faith starts small, but our faith needs to grow. God wants to faith. Gideon followed the revelation of god the the word of god he trusted that god would take care of him and he took god's challenge and the reason was because he knew that ultimately his strength came from the lord gideon knew that god could do this that he couldn't and when we step out for in faith here's what happens god will never let us down god will help us during those times and so what happened well you know to fast forward i think we all know Gideon and the army of the host of Israel, they were delivered from the Midianites. And I think about in our lives, when we step out in faith, I love a verse like Romans 8.31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, read the rest of it. Who can be against us? You know, I, I, years ago, I, Curtis Hudson, in the last days of his life, body full of cancer, and he stood there and he sang the song, "I'm on the winning side." You say, how can a guy that that lived for God and was probably one of the greatest soul winners, personal uh, witnessing for the Lord, and led many people to Christ, pastored churches, been, was in evangelism, and yet God brought cancer into his life? How could he stand there and sing? In the in the end of his days, he was about half the size that he. that he he was at one time in the prime of his life, how can he stand there and say, I'm on the winning side? Because he was confident in God. He knew that God would never do anything to harm him or hurt him. And yet he says, the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? See, God takes every person, listen to me this morning, he takes every one of us you might be sitting next to a friend or a spouse. He takes every one of us on a different journey. God has something for you that he doesn't have for that person sitting next to you. Every one of us have a different journey. And your task might be different than Gideon's. But understand this morning, God will prove your faith. He'll put it to the test. See, it starts with fear if we live in fear, we're never going to see the purpose that God has for our lives. And so what do we need to do? We need to exercise faith. And so notice then I see here thirdly this morning, the provision that God gives for the faithful. Well, what does God give us? Same thing he gave to Gideon. Notice God provides wisdom. God provides wisdom. God desires that we would be faithful to him. He is faithful to us. Gideon followed the Lord. Look at this verse here. It might be a little odd for if you're, if you're not used to seeing this verse. Proverbs 27, verse 8. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Now think about that. Because you know as mankind, the Bible teaches this. We are all prone to wander. A lot of people wander from their place. But with God's wisdom, God helps us to to make the right choices. Why? So that we would be faithful, we would remain faithful. Hey, listen, I hope you make choices in the coming days, coming years, that you you, you know what you need to do is just remain faithful to God. Well, how do you do that? Just by being in your place. Being where God wants you to be, where God has placed you. God has a specific role for each one of us, and we need to stay where God puts us. When I was in California, for many years we were out there and I had people that asked me, they're like, Brother Keely, do you, ever, do you think you're just going to stay here the rest of your life? And my answer is, was the same there that it is here. God knows where I'm at and if God wants me somewhere else, then God will move me. Now can I tell you, I've never looked to go somewhere before God started to move. You shouldn't either. Sometimes what happens is people will say, well, listen, I got a chance for a a new job. Listen, nothing nothing wrong with a a new job. But if it takes you out of the will of God, if it takes you from the place God puts you, then it's not God's will for your life. We have to stay faithful to God. And how do we do that? God provides wisdom you know you think about this whole passage we don't have time but the bible mentions how remember how they they were to march around and they were they were to hold the pitchers and have the lights and they were supposed to break the pitchers and 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 they were supposed to say a few things as they broke those pitchers i mean i'm sure that this this army of israel i'm sure that they felt really strange holding the the lights and the trumpets like this is not the way you fight. This is not the way you go to battle. This is, not, this is not conventional warfare. I mean, I guarantee you they felt strange about it. Look, have you ever felt in your life as a Christian, on your job, around your family, around your friends, have you ever felt strange? You know, that, that, that should be. You know why? Because this world is not our home. And when I consider so much about the wisdom that God gives, look, do you think God can give you the wisdom to live righteously in this wicked world we live in? Do you believe that? He can. God, how do I, look, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of you have probably struggled with this. How can I go to work tomorrow? Because you're working with such wicked people. You've got a boss that's constantly, because they know you're a Christian, they're constantly looking for a way to derail you, to take your job. I mean, I know, I know some of you face these types of things. This is the world that we live in today. And again, we, we have to understand, God can give us the wisdom. And if, we, if we're like Gideon, if we gain in confidence in God's ability, then what God's going to do is we're going to realize God's wisdom is far greater than anything that this world has to offer. Uh, look at Isaiah 55. God says, my ways are not your, uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God will give us the wisdom that we need. But the reason that we oftentimes don't have that wisdom is, is why? Because we don't ask God for it. God, how do I go to work tomorrow? How do I talk to my boss? He can't, he hates. Hey, listen, can I remind you of a guy named Saul of Tarsus? Who got saved by the grace of God? There is no one. Listen, God can save everyone. God can open the heart. Listen, God opened the hearts of kings in the Bible. God changed the king's word in the Bible. But if we live in fear, we're never going to see our destiny. We're never going to see God do what he wants to do in this world. James says, if any man, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. So when you think about this, God provides wisdom. But notice another provision is God provided Gideon tenacity. Look over in, in Judges chapter number 8. The Bible says, uh, we'll jump down to verse number 3, but really those first couple of verses here, how, how the Bible says in verse 3, God delivered uh, into your hands the prince of Midian, Oreb, and Zeab, He says, what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then your anger was abated toward him when he has said that. And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over. Look at this. Here he is. He and the 300 men that were with him, and the Bible describes them, they were what? Faint. Anybody in your life as a Christian, because of all that's gone on, maybe because of some fear, some discouragement, anybody feel faint in your life from time to time? Say, what do I do when I feel faint? Well, look, not only can God provide uh, wisdom for us, but God also can provide tenacity. God can give us resolve. And the Bible says, yes, Gideon and his men, they were faint, but the Bible says, yet, what's that last word? Pursuing. That means that God gave them the strength. Look, if, if you're gonna do anything for God, you will be criticized. Those of Ephraim, they were criticizing Gideon. Uh, Listen to what somebody said. To avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, believe nothing. A lot of times that's what we do. But yet Timothy says, if you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer what? Persecution. But God, God was the help that Gideon needed. God's the help that you need. Look what it says in Second Corinthians. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed how often? Day by day. See, look, the fight is real. He says it, God describes it as our light affliction. Is but for a moment, but it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen, those are the things that are eternal. Hey, listen, this morning when I look at the life of Gideon, you know what eventually Gideon did because by faith Gideon subdued kingdoms? Gideon stood for the Lord. He took a stand for God. He pursued with purpose. And when God looks at you, listen, you've got to think of this now. God, when he looks at us, God is not looking at our abilities. God is not looking at our talents. Remember, I told you, Gideon wasn't a man of unusual faith. He didn't possess a boldness. But what God is looking for is God is looking for someone that will trust him And God's looking for somebody that will obey him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So by faith, look here, it's going to take faith to move from discouragement to destiny. We've got to get past the fear. Decide today, I'm going to give my fears to God. Lord, thank you for this morning. Pray that you'd bless Your word this morning, thank you for helping Gideon and the children of Israel. Lord, so amazing, and yet we know that you say that you can do all things, that all things are possible. Lord, you narrowed down the amount of people trying to teach Gideon to be dependent on you. And Lord, today, I pray that if there is someone that's struggling with fears in their lives, that if there's somebody that's been discouraged, that they would just give that to you. And by faith, just trust you. Just obey you. Do what you would have them to do. Lord, may we see how you can work through these situations. Help us, Lord, to live a life of faith. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.